0: Amen. You may be seated. What is it that you crave out of life? What are the main desires you have for a life well-lived? As a follower of Jesus, what is the life God has always wanted for you? In this message series, we'll explore Trinity's six core values. This week, we'll focus on you belong here. We practice the culture of intentional hospitality that Jesus modeled. We value his kind of unconditional love that invites the outsider to become part of his family. We believe you are intrinsically valuable as his creation, regardless of your religious background or lack thereof, your abilities or disabilities, your ethnicity, or social and economic status. We long for you to belong to the family of God at Trinity Church, to come and grow and be transformed. These are the things that we care about most and how they might lead to the life we've always wanted.
1: Good morning, Trinity Church. It is good to see you here this morning. Hey, I'm here with Jeff and Kathy McNair, And today we are celebrating, yeah, give him a round of applause. We're celebrating 30 years of light and power ministry. And I can't think of a more appropriate uh, way to begin a service on belonging than taking time to focus on this wonderful ministry. So uh, we're going to ask Jeff and Kathy a a couple of questions. Before we do that, I want to just do a shout out for Kim Simons and the kids ministry. They do a fantastic job working with families who have children, uh, special needs children. And uh, I know that uh, that is deeply appreciated by the families who come to Trinity. So, Jeff, let's start with you. How did Light and Power get started here at Trinity?
2: Well, actually, Kathy and I met in a disability ministry when we were college students. And so for you young folks who haven't met anyone yet, um, a disability ministry might be a nice place to meet your... uh... (laughs) But uh, yeah, and Kathy had come from a background with her father, um, who uh, was a physician, worked with people with disabilities. I had no experience, but kind of just fell in love with the folks uh, at that time. And so prior to coming to Trinity, um, we had been doing different work in ministries in different places where we lived, cut our teeth really at Lake Avenue Church in Pasadena, and then came here and, and um, met with the leadership, and they weren't totally accepting at first, Um, But to God's glory, uh, we were able to start this uh, years ago, and the church has been incredible in terms of support, and the leadership has been amazing in terms of support over the years. So, yeah, that's kind of how it got started. Kathy and I talking to the pastor, and um, to God's glory, we've been able to get it started and have a bit of a run here, so.
1: Just a little bit of a run. I know when my wife and I came here, one of the things that attracted us was this disability ministry. Our very first church in San Clemente was up the street from a retirement rest home, and uh, folks would want to come up, and it was a pleasure to welcome them. To, to, so to see that so fully embraced here and uh, really lived out is a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Kathy, how has uh, Trinity Church been supportive of light and power in the past?
3: Well, you guys are real rock stars because you've supported through Advent Conspiracy for a number of years that will give us the finances we need to put on really amazing events. Lots of people with disabilities live in poverty and so for <laughs> them to be able to to you know, have a baked potato bar at our party a couple weeks ago or to be able to um, get something that's broken in their apartment um, replaced by Trinity has been a real um, godsend and so many of you um, if I just look through right now, the like Light and Power folks are sitting by their friends at Trinity Church, not necessarily people with disabilities. And so that's been the biggest thing is that um, people have been really friendly and gone out of their way to um, really just not say hi on Sundays, but invite somebody out for coffee or, um, you know, take them to the grocery store if, so they didn't have to take the bus. So just wonderful things like that have happened over the 30 years.
1: Mm-hmm. So this is really a lot about relationship. It's not just about ministry, it's about relationship. Yeah. Jeff, what are some ways that uh, Trinity Church can help this ministry grow, light and power ministry? What can we do to, to help build it?
2: Yeah, and you nailed it um, with that. Um, pe- people, with disabil- people with disabilities are subjects of relationship, not objects of programs, right? So what people, what people, just like you, like anybody else, they're just people, what they need more than anything else is to be invited to friendship, okay? And it's funny, I have invited folks in Light and Power to friendship, and some have accepted, and there was this one guy, I'd go talk to him, and every time he just push me away, I'd say, how oh, am I ain't doing with you, you know? But um, relationship is the critical thing. That is the starting point. If you could just reach out to anybody that you see potentially from light and power, and invite them uh, to relationship. And sometimes it's really funny, a a cute story real quick, that um, years ago, Kathy was teaching a group of women here at the church, and um, this woman came up to Kathy afterwards and said, you know, I don't really know how to get started in a relationship with someone from light and power. And Kathy said, why don't you call them? She goes, call them? What a great idea. (laughs) Why don't you invite them to coffee? Coffee! Oh my goodness! That's brilliant. Somehow or other, I mean, and we're all with this with people who are different from us. Somehow or other, we see someone who's different, and we think that they're so different that they're not the same as us, and they're totally different. So the exact same things that you would do to facilitate the development of a relationship with anybody are the exact same things that you would do to facilitate a relationship with someone with a disability, and that, I would argue, is the way that you could contribute in the most beneficial way.
1: So let's put this to a test in terms of relationships. So if you have gone to a prom uh, with a Light and Power individual, uh, if you have a friendship with somebody in Light and Power, if you've been greeted at the front door by someone in Light and Power, uh, if you've been led in worship by someone in Light and Power, would you stand for just a moment and let's give (laughs) praise to God for how we belong together. Thank you very much. You can grab a seat. Hey, right after this service, out in the pavilion, you're going to have uh, an opportunity to spend a few moments with a Light and Power individual. And you're asking yourself, how am I going to know them? Well, they have purple beanies on this morning, right? And it says Light and Power on. Uh, They're inviting you to have a snack with them of cheese sticks, donuts, and most importantly, Pop Tarts. (laughs) Right? We all love them. We were talking before the service. When was the last time you had one of those? Now, for these two, they have them every week. For me, it's been decades, (laughs) literally. But uh, we want to invite you out there. Just grab something to eat. Look for someone with a purple beanie. Introduce yourself. Tell them something about yourself. Ask them, what is important about light and power? Why is this ministry impacting you? And maybe even, how do you serve? Because I know that's a real big core value for them. We've got a short video we want you to uh, enjoy this morning to hear some of their stories. And then Jeff is going to be sharing with us during the sermon time. So if you take a look at the screens, you'll hear some of our Light and Power members sharing what God is doing in their life. All right. Thank
3: you. In Light and Power, we really do believe you belong here. Regardless of inadequate social skills or deficits that may interfere with um, the connections that people sometimes make at church and we want them to be able to serve and to feel very much a part of Trinity Church.
2: Light and Power is a ministry that includes adults with various disabilities, in particular intellectual disabilities, as they can go anywhere within the church, but many find that uh, Light and Power is a place where the scriptures become a little more uh, clear to them.
3: We have great worship, wonderful snacks in the morning, Good Bible teaching and lots of time just to be able to encourage each other.
0: I've never seen so much genuine love in a group. Uh, love for the Lord, love for others, love of life. It's beautiful.
1: Oh, I love the class and and um, I love when we learn about the Lord and we, we praise we praise God. I love the people
2: and the music and the fellowship. I love coming to Light and Power because I help in the kitchen. I enjoy the music, friends, snacks, and praying to God together.
0: Although he doesn't speak, he talks with his phone. It took us a lot of years to practice using his phone, and I love him and his family, and they're very supportive. It's one of the few church groups that I like to go to because they accept me for who I am.
3: I like to come every Sunday and get to see to see everyone. I don't have any family, so this is this is my family here. Um, oh, boom, 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 He loves boom. to see disabled people. At. Oh. Oh. At Light
0: and Power. Well, I'm usually known as Dalton's grandma, or he calls me
3: Grandma Ree. And Light and Power is like helping other people to help everybody.
1: I enjoy the, the field trips, uh, baseball games, um, or um,
0: activities or what, proms.
1: What I love about Light and Power is hanging out with Jeff and Everybody. And I got I got a whole bunch of love for everyone in this family.
3: I think Light and Power's a wonderful place. And people are always there for you when you need help. I like words up to
0: the screen. Talk to people yeah. and see in the world. Snacks. Snacks.
1: And coffee. <laughs> my daughter. She loves it. It's something for her. So she really enjoyed Light and Power.
2: We're blessed that um, Trinity Church, years ago, opened their doors to Kathy and I to try to facilitate the beginning of this ministry. And over time, we've had many, many people that we've been able to love and serve uh, through the ministry.
0: Well, I was in the congregation at Trinity when Jeff and Kathy stood up in front of the church and first announced Light and Power. And I said, you know, that is where I want to be. And I didn't have a disabled grandson at the time, um, but when I saw what it did for all the people who could not go to church, then I knew that I was home.
2: We're just grateful to Trinity for the way that they have embraced us, embraced the ministry, embraced the folks who have come uh, as a part of that ministry.
3: It's so hard sometimes to figure out why people suffer, why there are disabilities, but we continually repeat Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He'll make your path straight. So when we don't understand things, we need to pray and know that the Lord is in control.
2: Amen. Well, I'm supposed to talk about you belonging here. Can I tell you something? You belong here, right? (laughs) Right? Now, it's funny to say that you belong here, but you absolutely belong here. We need you here. If you're someone, particularly some of you young folks, you teens, you 20-somethings, we desperately need you here, right? I'm not just talking, we need you here, because we need what you're gonna bring. You're gonna do something that we had no idea we, we, we even needed, right? but you're going to bring something here that's going to change us, that's going to make us better. People will often say, um, you know, the church is imperfect. Duh. I mean, of course we're imperfect. We're made up of imperfect people. But maybe you can come and help and make us better, right? Maybe. Uh, and, and it's funny, you don't know what someone's going to bring. So in Light and Power, for years, we've had, uh, you know, snacks. And so, you know, throw a bunch of snacks out, you know, and people pick them up and eat them. And um, one time, a gal who started coming to our group, Kim Goforth, Kim was uh, in the, the video. Kim said, can I take over the food? And I was like, I guess. I mean, Kathy's like, sure, why not? Well, now the food is like amazing, right? <laughs> and, and, and the thoughtfulness that's behind it and the way that she kind of works with other folks to make the food something special um, even down to the Pop-Tarts, for goodness sakes, right? It's just so amazing that she brought this to us. And I'll never forget, years ago, when Rick Langer was here, Rick was sometime, one time speaking in front of the congregation, and he said one of the things that he loves about uh, Light and Power is that it's a ministry to people living in poverty, right? And I have to admit myself, I was like, yeah, it is. So... Think about a woman who comes to our group and focuses on making the food special and beautiful. What an incredible thing to do for people who, many of which are living in poverty, right? So she brought something that we did not see coming, we didn't know we needed, and it's made a huge difference in um, light and power. So we get the slides started up here. I already told you that you belong here. There you go. There's there's two values that I wanted to pick up on quickly. The first one is you belong here. Everyone belongs and is valued and loved by God. And you are designed with a role in mind under God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty is something that's critical to think about when you're thinking about the context of people in general, but particularly people who have various types of disabilities. And I wanna once again emphasize Kim Simons and the incredible work that she's done. In the last year, uh, families that I've known have been incredibly touched. So I just want to make sure I mention her again before I move on. Um, Now, I love these core values, but there's a degree degree to which um, who cares what Trinity thinks in terms of core values, right? When I speak to groups all over the place, who cares what I think? The thing that I need to do is bring the scriptures. If I show you the scriptures, that should impact what you do. Otherwise, you know, It's just my opinion versus somebody else's opinion. So the power of the scriptures are incredible relative to this type of thing. A biblical basis, if you understand it relative to belonging, but particularly related to individuals with disabilities, it'll change things if you embrace it. I have spoken to groups where the pastor has said, um, I know this is right, but we're not gonna do this. That's what it brings you to. I've gone to other places. i never forget I was in Singapore, and I was speaking to a bunch of leaders there. And the pastor came up to me and said, I've been brought to obedience, right? That's what the scriptures will do. So if we are going to advocate something, it's got to be based on the word of God. Next slide, please. When we think about belonging in a general sense, the first thing that came to my mind was, um, you know, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And uh, they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see that our troubles are all the same. (laughs) You want to go where everybody knows your name. Now, all the old people were clapping uh, <laughs> because they knew that. But there's like belonging in a general sense, and that's the feeling that we want. And these things are the kinds of things that we try to develop and light and power. So you want to think about things that you might do. For example, here are these things. Everybody has a nickname. Not everybody, but a lot of people have a nickname. So. Uh, people are called Turkey or Sugarfoot or, you know, Wildman. Mark is, I always call Mark Wild Man who's sitting in the front here. So people have a nickname. It's that's a, that's a way that you know that you belong. You have your seat. You all wear the same shirt. When you're not there, you're missed, right? Um, coffee is served to you like you like it, right? Because they know who you are, right? There's all kinds of inside jokes where you can just say something and everybody laughs because they know it's the inside joke. There's a common history, particularly with, related to people who have passed away. Um, I, when, I, when Kathy and I got involved in this ministry, I never realized how many memorial services I would do. I've done probably 30 or more, probably two a year, at least, memorial services of people who passed away, so we have that common history. And then special traditions among people. One of my favorite people was a, a guy with very severe disabilities. Name was Michael, and I loved Michael. Right? I'm gonna get emotional talking about Michael. I loved Michael because anytime we were in a room together, it was immediately, hey, Jeff, hey, Jeff. It wouldn't matter if we were here, it was whatever. And you need someone like Michael in your life, right? Who whenever they see you, hey, hi, you know, they wanna see you. Michael was a huge blessing to me. Um, overall, you want people who know you and know your needs and try to meet your needs. So these are the kinds of things that we're looking for overall in terms of facilitating belonging. And you see that belonging then requires something of me to make you feel like you belong, right? So it's not belonging, uh, yeah, you belong here. Go ahead, yeah, good to see you, I'll catch you later. No, belonging is something where it requires something of me to make you feel like you belong. Next slide. The people who are in our lives are the way they are under the sovereignty of God, and the sovereignty of God is hard. The sovereignty of God is hard. When you look around the world, everything that happens is either caused by him or permitted by him. If God is not in control, then he's not God. So the thing is, this is hard because of the things we see in life. But for our discussion, we need to understand that the way that people are is part of of God's sovereignty for them and for the church. So when you see people with Down syndrome, that was God's plan for them, but it's also God's plan for us, right? I need to bring those people in. They need to feel like they're going to belong, why? Because under God's sovereignty, he has created those people and they're supposed to be a part of us and they're gonna cause us to change. We can't be the same as we've always been. Therefore, we need to have people with many different personal characteristics among us as part of God's plan and purpose. Okay, diversity is one of the critical aspects of God's plan and purpose. Next slide, one of my favorite authors, and this is a great book if you want to jump into disability a little bit, very approachable book, not like an academic thing. Is called Same Lake, Different Boat. And I love Stephanie Hubach, she's amazing. She's the parent of a kid with Down syndrome. Stephanie writes, contrary to the practices among many Christians, the biblical concept of belonging does not revolve around sameness. Do you hear that? Same, doesn't revolve around sameness. It rotates on the axis of unity and diversity. At best, many Christian circles, the uniqueness of each individual is tolerated, but not genuinely valued and embraced. This is one of the major barriers that family of individuals touched by disability face in attempting to experience meaningful inclusion. And the thing about this is not for me to stand over there and say, oh, those worthless rascals over there, they're not including people, whatever. The point is for me to say, how am I contributing to this? I ask myself this all the time. How am I contributing to not having diversity and not including people and not helping people to feel like they belong um, who are different from myself? I ask myself that all the time. Next slide. A while ago, I was trying to figure out how could I communicate this to young people, to younger people, Uh, and I wrote this book. Um, It's called Meow Wolf. Um, and it's about a world of dogs. I won't give away anything more than that, but it's juvenile fiction. But one of the things is that when in that book, it talks about how when a character sees something, someone different from themselves, there's something that wells up inside of them that doesn't like difference. And for the book, I called it the grumble. So the grumble is inside of all of us, something inside of all of us. We see someone different from us in some way, the grumble kind of raises up inside us. Uh, I first learned this back in the 60s when I was a little kid, and people started showing up at church with long hair. You know, we had the Beatles. I was listening to a Beatles album the other day. But the Beatles, uh, and they had the long hair, and people started coming up, coming to church with long hair. And the people didn't like these people, these young people, and they were rejecting these young people because they had long hair. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. With 2023, kind of eyes and ears, but in 1960, that was, a, that was a legitimate reason to reject people from church because they had long hair, something different. But this is particularly true with people with disabilities. The people see them, they haven't had experience with them, they see them as different, they other them, they distance themselves from them, and um, people end up not belonging. Uh, in an academic kind of term, this is referred to as the social consequences of disability. And the social consequences of disability offer are most the hardest part. I've talked to many, many people with disabilities in my life, and they will say the hardest part of having a disability is not your disability, and that's a broad brush. There's some disabilities that are incredibly difficult, but they'll say the hardest part of having a disability is not your disability, it's the way you're treated when you have a disability, the way you're excluded. And can I tell you something that even has to do with the Christian church? I was speaking at Mark Brown's church uh, several years ago, back up in uh, Newberry Springs or something, up near um, Thousand Oaks. And I met a guy there who was in charge of the ev Free Church kind of ministries, uh, uh, kind of like compassion ministries for the Southwest region. To make a long story short, I mean, it goes from LA to El Paso, 200 churches in that region. And he said out of them, there were six that were deliberately seeking to include people with disabilities. So this is, a, this is a malaise within the Christian community largely. Well, with all that in mind, uh, let's dive into some scripture passages briefly. Next slide. One of my favorite passages is the Good Samaritan, and the Good Samaritan is a disability passage if you ever never noticed it before. But let me just read this a little bit. It may not be familiar to everybody. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to an entire, eternal life? It's funny, some of you guys know my daughter, Amy, and she's a lawyer, and I was talking to her last weekend, and I said, is that the way you'd ask that question, as a lawyer, and she goes, no, you'd say, what should people do, or whatever. So it's interesting that just the presence of Jesus changed this guy's questions to be asking about himself, which is interesting. What should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what's the law of Moses say, right? How do you read it? The man said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, right. Do that and you'll live. But the man wanted to justify his actions. And so he said, and who is my neighbor? Once again, the personal thing, it's interesting. As I've often said before, I, didn't never, I never understood that passage, justify himself, that I talked to one of my colleagues at Cal Baptist, and he was not asking who is my neighbor, he's asking who's not my neighbor, right? I want to get it right, Jesus. So tell me who is my neighbor, who's not my neighbor, because I want to do it like you're doing it. These people are, these people aren't. Did I get it right? Um, And most of us know the story of the Good Samaritan, but this is how Jesus responds. Next slide. Jesus said, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes. I couldn't, I was wondering about that too. It's kind of like, I guess they steal your Nikes or something, I don't know. uh, Beat him up, left him half dead beside the road. Okay, so when Jesus is asked, who's your neighbor? The first thing he goes to is a person with severe physical disabilities who can do nothing for themselves. Did you catch that? This guy's left dead. He's left for dead. He's doing nothing. The first person Jesus describes as your neighbor is a person with severe physical disabilities who can do nothing for themselves. By chance, a priest came along. He saw him. He crossed on the other side. A temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, passed by on the other side. It's fascinating you look at this. These are two religious leaders. And when when they're in the presence of someone with a disability, we find out about their character. This guy's not doing anything he just laying there dying, and yet he reveals the character of everybody around him. Isn't that amazing? Maybe that's another reason why Christian churches don't want people with disabilities oftentimes in their congregations, because they'll reveal who they are, and whether they'll love their neighbor or not. Next slide. And then Jesus goes on and continues the story. He says, then a despised Samaritan came along. So the first thing we're learning here is people that you absolutely do not agree with from a, a political, uh, ethnic Fill in the blank, that person is your neighbor, Jesus is saying, because of the Samaritans and the Jews, they didn't get along very well. He fell for compassion for him, he goes over to him. Look at what he does. When I looked at this uh, thinking towards a sermon, think of the time he takes here, the Samaritan takes. He goes over to him, so he stopped what he's doing, where he was going. He soothed his wounds with oil and wine. He bandaged them, he put him on his donkey. Notice, put him on his donkey. It's kind of like those of your grandparents. I put my grandchildren in the car seat. It's not like they're assisting me while I'm doing that, right? <laughs> it's not like they were helping. He put so he lifted this guy. This guy was doing nothing. Stayed at the inn with him, talked and paid the innkeeper for the night, and then said to the uh, paid him two days' wages. And if you think about that, uh, they say uh, two denarii, two days' wages. Two days' wages for us at minimum wage would be like 200 bucks. The guy leaves for the. Um, for the innkeeper, and then says, comes back, uh, he says, I'll come back and pay if there's anything more. What does belonging mean? Belonging means that I'm going to go out of my way to do what's required in order to love you and support you and serve you. And time is one of the most critical things, particularly for people with disabilities. They have time. I'll never forget one of our folks in Light Power said to Kathy, what does it mean to be busy? Think about that. What does... Everybody says they're busy. I ask if I want to do something. They say they can't do it because they're busy. What does it mean to be busy? And Kathy and I have done some work in Ukraine. It breaks our heart with what's going over there. But there was a pastor there, Sergei Bolchek, and he used to say, people with disabilities are millionaires of time. Think about that. They're millionaires of time. So one of the most important things we can do from a starting point is time, is spend time with people. Next slide. Jesus then says to the guy, which of these guys do you think um, was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The The man replied, the man who showed him mercy. And once again, this personal thing, it's really funny. It changes from testing Jesus to testing this man. He says, now go and do the same. The implication is there, the word you. Now you go and do the same as you saw in this situation. So yeah, he was a neighbor, but this story is for us too. Right? There are people out, you, out there who need you to be a neighbor to them. So now go and do the same, is what Jesus would say to you. So just in thinking through this a little bit, what's required for belonging? Time. What's on your part? What's required for, for belonging? Or excuse me, who's your neighbor? Everybody. Everybody. Next slide. I ran across this, this, this quote from C.S. Lewis in this book on uh, Reflections on the Psalms. And he's talking about Matthew 25, the story of the sheep and the goats. And I mean, I got, I mean, I got enough uh, trouble with sin in my life than to worry about things that I'm not doing. <laughs> so this was scary. But he says, he, he, C.S. Lewis talks about the terrible parable of the sheep and the goats. He says, this can leave no conscience untouched, for in the goats, for in it the goats are condemned entirely for their sins of omissions, as if to make us fairly sure that the heaviest charge against us turns not on the things we've done, but the things we didn't do, the things we never did, perhaps never dreamed of doing. So this passage is about Jesus talking about the final judgment. Next slide. So he has the sheep and the goats in front of him, and he separates them, right? And he says to the sheep, these righteous ones, he says, Lord, um, that they they did these different things. And then they say, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing, or ever in prison and visit you. And the king, the Lord, will say, I'll tell you the truth, whenever you did to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it unto me. Don't hear me saying people with disabilities are the least of these. I don't like it when people say they're the least of these. They're the same as you, right? They're no better, they're no less, they're the same. But it's fascinating that the sheep belong. What did they do to belong? You know, it, it's kind of when we think about what is required to assist someone to belong. Oh, I could never do it. It's too demanding, whatever. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to give something, somebody something to eat. You're supposed to give them a drink. You're supposed to show a little hospitality. You got some extra clothing around? Give them some clothing and then visit them. Any one of us could do that. This is not outside the reach of any one of us to do these things. That's what they did. I can do these things. I would love to have more people do this in the context of people with disabilities. It was funny, I worked for Johnny and Friends for a while, some of you might know Johnny Erickson Tata, and they talked about people affected by disability. And in their definition, they were talking about people who are actually impaired in some way. And I kind of got up in some people's faces and said, no, there's a whole heck of a lot of people who are affected by disability who are not themselves impaired, right? So we saw Ramona up here, and she has a a dear grandson. I promise you, that grandson is an amazing man. But he has impacted her he has been affected by disability but one of the things that we want to do from a belonging perspective i want more people to be affected by disability right i want more people to be affected by disability because that means you have entered into relationship with people and now you're affected with this by disability and you recognize that these things that you thought were fine like government services it ain't all sweetness and light baby it's not at all that they need people in relationship more than anything else There's a book I was reading the other day that says, government provides services, people with disabilities need caring. Next slide. Proverbs says, if you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. Help them now, if you have the ability to help them now. Um, And once again, think about the time thing. Uh, I remember, uh, or I think about sometimes I hang with people, and, and I can get off on my disability thing. If you're hanging with me, you know, the conversation always ends up on disability issues. I apologize for that, and I'm talking, and people are start doing this kind of thing. You know, what I'm saying, "Well, I'm talking, right?" And I feel I, that really bugs me. And then I recognize um, when people, when I'm hanging, oftentimes with individuals with intellectual disabilities, I'm doing that. And I thought. Heck, I need to start with myself. So I made this rule for myself, and I invite you to make this rule for yourself. If you're interacting with someone and you look at your watch, you owe them another half an hour. <laughs> I, and honestly, that's what I have done in my life. Maybe that's one reason why I don't wear a watch anymore, right? So I, <laughs> but I would tell you that. That's a good thing to do, right? People want your time. They want the relationship. They don't want a relationship of you looking at your watch all the time. So relative to this passage, what's required? Service. Service that's approachable for you. Um, And who are the sheep to you? Everybody. There's nobody who's not a, a, well, I guess you're the sheep. There's not someone that a sheep should be helping. There's no one like that. The third passage I wanted to talk about, next slide, is um, the body of Christ. And I apologize that I'm doing a mad dash. I've done sermons on each one of these separately, but I just wanted to touch on them all. It's interesting how Paul writes, the human body has many parts, diversity, but the parts make up the whole body. So is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, Diversity. But we all have been baptized into one body, one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. If you're unfamiliar with this passage, it's basically a metaphor, and it's actually funny at parts. It's actually a metaphor where Paul is kind of saying the body of Christ, us, the church, is like a human body. And so he's making these connections about how the body of Christ should be like a human body in the way that we regard one another, right? And it's all about diversity, a lot of it. Next slide. Paul says, yeah, the body has many parts, not just one part. But if the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make me any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? One of the things I think about, it goes ahead to the, to the next passage, I'll jump to that, but just say it now. Why would the foot say, I'm not a part of the body? Because I'm not a hand. Because the hand's all day saying, you're not a hand, so you're not a part of the body. Right. What do we do with individuals with disabilities? You're not like me. So therefore you're a part and you're not a part of the body. And one of the things we do with the best, best intention sometimes. And I hear this all the time. Someone with a wheelchair or someone with autism or something comes to our church and our immediate reaction is go and to pray for them to be healed. Why? Because clearly God's intention is for you to be like me. Right? That's what God had intended for you. Under his, under his sovereignty, he didn't plan for you to be the way you are. He wanted you to be like me, so we need to get you fixed. Right? Now, at the same time, if someone with a wheel, in a wheelchair or has some sort of disability comes to me and says, will you pray for my healing? Oh, I'll pray for that all day. But I'm not going to interact with you on the basis that God was wrong in the way that he created you, and your response needs to be, you need to be like me. No, what I need to do is respond to say, God has created you in this diversity for me, What can I understand about the Lord? How can I grow in faith? How can I help you at the same time to grow in your faith? Um, If the whole body were an eye, uh, how would we hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Once again, it's diversity, right? We're supposed to be this incredibly diverse community, which means we need to invite people and um, need to make them feel belonging. Next slide. But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part together just the way he wants it. I love that verse. God made the body just the way he wanted it to be and created all the separate parts. So if I look around and see separate parts missing here, I'm saying we're not a body. It used to make me crazy when I first got into this ministry, I'd have these pastors stand up in churches and pontificate, pontificate and say, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. And I'd look around and say, then why aren't we all here? Right? Why is there one group of people that's not here it's funny, if we had a church and we said, you know, uh, uh, say there's an ethnic group and the people have blue skin, and if we said, we don't accept people with blue skin, we'd immediately be a racist church, right? Because we don't expect, accept people. But if we say, we don't take people with disabilities, we're okay with that, because there's so many of us who do that. But you see how that's equally as bad. James 2, one. how can you claim to love our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? See how basic this is? right? You see how basic this is? If I see a difference in you and I exclude you on the basis of that, call it disability. Call it autism. Call it mental illness. Let's talk about very difficult disabilities. I, that calls into question why I even, whether I even love the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. We can't do that. We can't do that. We have to include people. Yeah, there's many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you, right? The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. We can't do that. We can't do that. Next slide. In fact, verse 22 there down the bottom, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts that we regard as less honorable to those we clothe with the greatest care for the greatest honor. It's funny, Paul. I mean, when I think about people who are weaker, people of autism seem weaker to me. People with intellectual disabilities seem weaker to me. Once again, he says, they seem weaker. Do you hear that? Right? Under God's sovereignty, they are powerful. But we have to pay attention. Right? We have to pay attention to them and learn from them. It's so funny. I'll I'll take folks from uh, Light and Power and take them to my classes and introduce them to my students. And this one gal, I love her dearly. She's, She's struggling at the moment, but she is a woman with Down syndrome. And I will ask the the people in front of my students, do you have a disability? Because I know they're gonna make these profound revelations. Do you have a disability? And she said, yes, I do. I said, oh, really, what disability do you have? And she says, I have Down syndrome. I said, oh, how has that affected you? And I'm looking at her thinking intellectual disability, this and that and everything like that, right? How has that affected you? And she goes, you know, sometimes my foot hurts. That's how I need to see people with Down syndrome, right? That's how I need to see them. They're a person just like me. I don't need to put all this stuff on them. Our Christian imagination sometimes is our biggest problem. I wrote an article about this. The Christian imagination, where we imagine who people are, we put these things on them, and that reflects not who they are, that reflects who we are. When people are devalued, that's not a characteristic of them, that's a characteristic of us and what we do to people. And the parts that I regard as less honorable, we clothe with the greatest care. You know, if someone, I, I can show all of you pretty much, the, but there's some people for whom I need to show special honor. A quick story, my father-in-law, a brilliant physician and a wonderful man of God, but towards the end of his life, he developed Alzheimer's and very, very severe. And he'd come to my house and I'd give him something to eat. And he, if he didn't like it, he'd spit it on the floor. You know, if you come to my house and spit on the floor, I'm not gonna stand for that, so don't be doing that, right? But, <laughs> But in the case of my father-in-law, because of his disability, what did I do? I showed him special honor. I cleaned the food up off the floor, and I said, Father, I'm so sorry. You didn't like that. Can I give you something else that you will like? Do you recognize how, in order to include people, I can't do things always exactly the same. I need to change, right? I need to change. Mark 7 talks about how Jesus says, you exchange the commands of God for the traditions of men where I'm supposed to love my neighbor. That's a command of God. My traditions have been developed without you present oftentimes, individuals with disabilities. To God's glory, we've had 30 years of changing traditions. And so I'm supposed to decide, should I love my neighbor or should I hold to my traditions where I exclude people? I think I'll hold to my traditions where I exclude people. And Jesus says, you do this all the time. There's many things that you do like that, and we need to stop that. One of the things that bringing people who are diverse into our community is implies we're gonna have to change our community. Our culture is going to have to change. And can I tell you something? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Bringing people with disabilities is a corrective to who we are, if we're paying attention. Next slide. Take home lessons. Here's a few things I just kind of thought I throw out there for you to think about taking home from these passages so we got a bible passage and then we have kind of a couple things here what's required and who belongs in the good samaritan the thing that i pulled out is what's required your time your time and like i say i'm like you i can always find something else to do but people with whatever their stripe they need your time and who is your neighbor everybody So there's nobody for whom you should not be giving your time. Sheep and the goats. What's required? Service. And it's not like exceptionally crazy demanding service. Giving somebody a drink, visiting them, calling them on the phone, developing a relationship. And who are you the sheep to? Everybody. You're the sheep to everybody. And then the body of Christ. Um, What's required? Change in understanding who we are and who the people around us are. Hopefully, if we have that biblical change in our understanding, that'll cause us to be more invita- inviting and do the things that are demanded of us so that we can make sure that people do belong among us, independent of their personal characteristics. It's crazy how you could have a personal characteristic. The, the research in my world talks about minor social skill deficits. Minor social skill deficits is for sufficient for churches to say, we don't want you here. Very last slide. It says, I uh, say, thank you for listening. Okay, so that's what the slide says. <laughs> but it also says, now go and do the same. Story that just occurred to me real, real fast. My time is finished. But um, there's a story that's in the literature about a guy who had uh, Down syndrome, and he was at a church. And um, during the worship service, he would periodically shout out, Jesus! So imagine we're having a worship service like this, and someone would you know, periodically crawl out, Jesus! Well, you can't be calling out the name of the Lord in the middle of a worship service. What's wrong with you, <laughs> right? That's a minor social skill deficit, right? But the thing that, the dude, that happened was the church did not allow him in the worship service anymore, right? And so the, the, the way, and it, it's, a, it's kind of enhanced a bit. But the thing is, is so that this guy's sitting across the street because he's not allowed to say Jesus during the worship service, right? And the author says, where's Jesus sitting?
3: right? Where's Jesus
2: sitting? Is he sitting in this worship service where they're worshiping a fictitional notion of who he is, or is he with the one who should be belonging all across the street? Let me say a prayer, and, and then we'll have the worship team come back up. Lord Jesus, uh, I come to you as a sinner, um, but um, you say that we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And you say, this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Lord, would we embrace that in in our lives? We embrace that in doing the work that helping people to feel like they belong entails. Making them feel welcome, making them feel loved, making them feel special, right? And for those who are here right now, Lord... I, I would really pray that you would touch their hearts such that those who are kind of maybe unsure, particularly younger folks, young men, young women, would you touch their hearts and not only show them that they belong, but show them that we need them, and we need them here to do something that only they can do. So they will feel belong, uh, a feeling of belonging, but they'll also be a part of um, all of us as we bring other people in and help them to feel uh, belonging. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you have blessed Kathy and us with the health in order to be involved in this ministry for the time that we have. And uh, I just pray for the folks here. In Christ's name, amen.